Back to school. The reason I, I obviously tie it into the fact that it's school week and Ryan Hall and all these, one, you know, Brian taking off. And But have you noticed that, that we really never really lack for opinions in life? I haven't even noticed. There's no lack of opinions, right? You know how people, we generally describe opinions? I've heard this definition. They're kind of like armpits. Everybody has a couple, and they usually stink a little. I mean, there's opinions everywhere, isn't there? Uh, aren't there? Um, opinions, 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 opinions. My goodness, everybody has some, and uh, they're not always in agreement. Have you noticed, too, that as long as we have opinions, we'll always have controversy? In fact, you can hear the, if you've not heard this illustration, it's, it's more than an illustration, it's actual, that the old newspaper reporter training the new guy with his little hat and his camera back in the pencil under his ear, and you can get a picture of this guy, and, and the old reporter saying to the new young guy, says, now when you're out there looking for news, if a dog bites a man, that's not news, that's normal, that happens all the time. If the man bites the dog, now that's news. And uh, let's let's make sure we have something that's stimulating and something that's unusual, and and let's put that on headlines. Let's get people's attentions. Let's not give them the normal stuff. You ever wonder why you don't hear good things in the news? Why don't we hear happy things? Why don't we hear about you know the birthday party for the gal that turned ninety-five and the whole family was there and sixty or eighty extended family members celebrating her life in Jesus? That's not going to hit the front page, is it? It's not going to be there. Because our, our controversy is the stuff news is made of. So we are constantly given opinion and controversy, and it stirs you. How many of you still like to listen to the news or read it? It's, it's disturbing. I try and get it sort of the top of the hour, one of the news radio stations where they give you the whole world in about three minutes. And at two and a half minutes, I'm ready to turn it off because it's a body count and a war and this and that and... They, they never really give anything good, positive, right? Even on the, uh, I know that they, they tried this for a while, maybe it's still happening uh, on television. When you do, do the television news, it would come on and just sort of attack you for 25 minutes. Just, and then at about 27 minutes after the hour, they'd pop off to some little, Light-hearted. Oh, and today, you know, something wonderful happened over here. Good night. <laughs> and I thought, that's supposed to prop me up after all of that? Destruction and death and poisoning. My food's not even safe today. I mean, there is so much controversy and opinion flying. Let me, let me tone it down to even a good thing. It's not all horrible. Out on the table, I hope you'll grab one on the way out, the Mountain Glory Gazette. Local Christian magazine, newspaper, put together by Tom Owens, pastor of the Foursquare Church. His publisher is Arloa Gundred here at our church. And the vision is to have a, a little uh, rag, if you will, that, that all the churches can contribute to and, and put their events and advertisements and what we're doing all across our community in this little magazine so that visitors to our community and other believers in our community can use that as a, as a what's happening in Big Bear kind of a paper. 
And so when they're visiting here, they can find uh, people of like faith and hang out and do stuff together while they're visiting here. And it's also, of course, an attraction to those who uh, are maybe not plugged into the body of Christ yet. So it's just a good witness avenue that Tom had on his heart to do. So bless him for doing it. And you can open that one this month. And you get a little clip on the Ryan Hall event tomorrow night, and you'll see an article in there by uh, the Reverend Don Strongman, who is at the Presbyterian Church across town, and uh, he has an opinion. And then you can read uh, Pastor Floyd Evers right there. Uh, he's got, he takes up a couple of pages this month, and, uh, and he's got some opinions. And uh, let's see, who else is in there? Oh, Tom Owens himself has an article in there this month, and uh, Tom's got an opinion. He's got a strong opinion in there. If you haven't read it yet, uh, grab it and read it. I, I recommend reading all of it. But as I was even reading that yesterday, I thought, boy, here it is again. Even we have opinions. And, and we always have them. They're not all bad. But what it, what it came down to in my heart is that when it comes to this book, I just don't know that the author has invited us to develop our own views <laughs> and opinions about what's in here. Until, I mean, specifically, are we supposed to come up with something of knowledge and understanding from this? Of course. But unless we know the author, then we're just developing an opinion. You know, there are lots of worldly, atheistic people even that take this book and develop opinions about it and uh, decide that in it it's full of error and, and heresies and problems. And even in the quote-unquote, Christian communities around the world, there are whole segments of mainline church denominations that have decided to render opinions on this book that say some of it's true and some of it is not. My question to them is very simple. As a simple person, I say, well, how do you know the difference? If it's not all true, then how do I know what to supermarket out of it? I mean, do I get to pick? Is it according to my opinion and my belief that if I read this and I don't like it, I can say, well, that's probably part that's not relevant. So let's go on beyond that. There are those who have taken the scriptures and said that, you know, really the miraculous uh, birth of Jesus didn't really take place. You know, she wasn't really a virgin. There are those that want to teach us that Jesus was married. There are those that go outside the, the boundaries of the word of God and bring up their opinions. Good people do this. How do you know the name Warren Buffett? Warren Buffett's an investor. Berkshire Hathaway. You know, his wealth. He's the kind of guy that gave $30 billion to Bill Gates to give away. When Bill Gates decided to quit Microsoft and uh, give away his fortune to spend the rest of his life finding a way to give away all of his money. Warren Buffett said, well, then I don't have to do that too. Then I can just give my money to Bill. And he gave him $30 billion and said, go give it away. Warren Buffett was quoted just in the last week as having said, God helps those who help themselves. Okay, now, not a bad phrase, comes from the kind of Midwest, middle of last century, strong, fibrous, work ethic, godly people. Came up with a phrase like that, God helps those that help themselves. The trouble with that is that when given that statement to the, to the population of our country and then asked where does this statement come from, they, about 80% of them say, well, it comes from the Bible. Mm-hmm. But I, I can assure you that it's not in here. 
The indication of it might be in here, but there is no direct quote that says God helps those that help themselves. Yet, a lot of us believe that it's a scriptural context or content. We've developed opinions about the scriptures, and that makes us comfortable. But I think it's time to go back to school. I think it's time for us to look at 2 Timothy 2.15. And if you want to turn there, please feel free and jot it down. It's not an unusual or foreign passage to us. Hopefully, if you've been around the Bible for a while, you've at least stumbled or read across this one once. And this is a New King James Bible here, so mine might read a little different than yours. 2 Timothy 2. 15. 2 Timothy 2.15 Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Be diligent. <clears throat> now, I think that diligent, I didn't look this up, but I, I wouldn't be far off to say it's either related to the word energeo, which means energy, or spude, which means to persevere. Either one of them indicates in the Greek language that we're supposed to break a sweat in this diligence. Work hard. Been working outside lately? Doesn't the humidity make a difference? I mean, the stuff just rolls off of you. And living in such a dry climate, it's a surprise when you sweat like this. You go, man, where did that come from? It's coming out of my brow and running into my eyes. And Wow, humidity makes a difference. But... This says, break a sweat. Work at it to present yourself approved to God. Work at it. No. (laughs) Thank you. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. How many of you have heard of a wana? Anybody know what a wana means? Yeah. comes from this scripture, approved workers are not ashamed. You know, Awana, you think, is, you know, is it a Greek word or Hebrew word or something? What's this group about? It's about training young people to know the Scriptures, memorize the Scriptures, to be good workers on a regular basis every week. This is your assignment. Go home. And they have you know, age-appropriate memorization of Scripture and lessons and things for developing young people to be workers who don't need to be ashamed. And I believe that this back-to-school message, if you will accept that from me today, is a challenge to you and I to get back to studying the Bible. Not just reading it, but actually studying it. Finding ways and pursuing. If doing nothing else, using, if you've got a Bible like this, reading the footnotes and chasing down some of the center column references that take the whole Bible and build it more into a package so that you get a broad overview of the entire Scriptures and understand who God is. Then when you know the author, you begin to see the unfolding of his will here and we can begin to understand his, his um, not just his words, but his intents, his actions, and the causes of things that have occurred in the scriptures and why they occurred. Then we don't have to develop just an opinion or a controversial position. We can actually say with a heart that's linked to his, the author's, This is what was happening. I think of the little book of Habakkuk, the prophet who, you know, when they were getting whipped up again by their enemies, and he's saying to God in three chapters, kind of says this, God, I really don't get it why you let these meanies pick on us and beat us up 
and take control when they're just heathen. In fact, they're going to come in here like fishermen with a net, and they're going to capture all of us Israelites, and they're going to drag us off. And then when they're done, what they're going to do is they're going to sacrifice to their nets because they're going to say, our nets have given us this great victory. And so they're going to worship idols after they take us captive. God, I don't get it. And then he says at the beginning of chapter 2, now I'm going to stand myself up on the wall, and I'm going to wait for God to answer me, and then I'm going to listen when he rebukes me. Because I know I'm a little on the edge attacking the, the creator of the universe and asking, giving him my opinion here. This is my opinion. I think what you're doing is unjust and is wrong, and I don't get it. But as soon as I say that, I know that he's not really interested in my opinion. Right off. So I'll just stand here until he speaks back to me and corrects me. And then God speaks to him. God speaks to us today. He's very willing to disclose his will to us if we'll study to show ourselves approved. We have got both sides of the victory for us. You know, the word of God without the spirit of God produces what? Legalism. If you just take the Bible and follow it and never let the Holy Spirit in to blend and bring understanding to the Word and to reveal it, you get a legalistic kind of a Bible. It just is a bunch of rules that you've got to follow to measure up. On the other hand, if you put the Bible down and just live in the Spirit, what happens? You become spiritist. You become like spiritism. It gets real wispy and ethereal and there's no underpinning and it's all about experience. But if you take the Spirit of God and let Him, the Holy Spirit, the author, who Jesus said would come to lead you and guide you into all truth, bring all things to your remembrance whenever you need it, and to be the comforter that comes alongside of you, to walk through life with you and disclose truth to you, when you take the Word and the Spirit, then you get balance. Amen? So, back it stands on the wall and God begins to speak to him. It says, write down the vision, make it plain so that the runners can... Anybody that's running by can read it, or the runners who run with it can make it easy to get. And uh, here's what's going to happen. And he unfolds how that God has designed to use the enemies of God's people to put pressure on them to return to Him, to come back to Him. And that those who are going to survive in this event are those who will live by faith. The just will live by faith. One of the great revelations that came to Martin Luther in the Reformation, the just person, the righteous man, the righteous woman will be able to live through this period if they're living by their faith. They're living by their firmness, their steadfastness, their belief in me. They'll be okay. The just will live by their faith through this process. And by the third chapter of Habakkuk, he's writing down and saying, oh, silly me. Oh, silly me. I just didn't have the whole picture. I had an opinion. I had a controversial conversation about God and who He was and what He was doing, but I didn't see the whole thing. And when I got to know the author, and I looked at His ways, His methods, His causes, His intents, and His words, all of those things brought into balance through a diligent pursuit of who God is and what He says, then I got a greater understanding. And that understanding has now led me to life and not death, which I perceived was my future. Great turnaround in just three little chapters. And when we read the scriptures, that's how it should go for us. But by revelation, the Holy Spirit will break understanding to us, set us free, and that we will begin to apprehend His Word. Can we go to Second Peter chapter 1? Let me read this. This is important. And uh, 
Let's listen to Peter as he begins to write to us as the body of Christ. He's Second Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. By the knowledge of God, by the exceedingly great and precious promises, we are invited to understand God, to know Him, not just derive opinion about Him, but to actually know Him and to get His opinion on all points of life and godliness. And the words here that are given to us in this book are to bring us to that point to where we actually share in the character and nature of who He is so that we can walk with Him and walk like Him. So that we can come to the point where I realize that Christ in me is the hope of glory. And that as Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet it's not me that's living, it's Christ that's living in me. It's, it's a picture that was shared with me uh, by Pastor Floyd. We were talking one day and he said, you know, it's kind of like that we're the glove and Jesus is the hand. You know, and he likes to put himself right into us and then live his life out. Through us. While you and I are seeing the outer skin, if you will, or the glove, we're looking at each other and going, wow, that's that's you. And and you and I can say back like Paul will know, the life I now live is because the hand is inside the glove. Because Jesus is in me, living out what he wants to live out. That's why some things become foreign to me, because this life uh, motivation of Christ isn't happy with some of the stuff that, that the glove used to do, and it doesn't want to do those things. And so, you know, we come under conviction and we cast off a lot of stuff that's unimportant. As we did this morning at the altar, I surrender everything to you. Just slip me on and begin to live your life out through me. And all the Word of God is given to us to become to come to that. Grace and peace multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord talking about the exceeding great and precious promises. We're only going to find those out as we read the Word of God and we begin to become more like Him. Peter had said in another passage in his writings that we all come to Jesus like spiritual babies and we should desire the sincere milk of the Word that we might what grow thereby. We're supposed to get to maturity. Back to school means that no matter where I'm at, what level of my Uh, Christianity or my maturity, there's a place for me to grow further. We never arrive. Some of us need to move from kindergarten to first grade. And that's okay. I mean, I'm I'm not beleaguering that or belittling that in any way. When we first come to Christ, we're babies. But we're supposed to grow up. And we don't have a full knowledge of God. But it doesn't mean we're useless in His kingdom. Mark chapter 5 gives us a story in the first 20 verses of Jesus rowing to shore with his disciples. And as they get to shore, out comes a screaming demoniac. 
with chains hanging from his body. Basically, he's nude. He's scarred. He's beaten. He is angry. He is ugly. And he is very, very mean. He is so bad that the whole community has pushed him to live in the cemetery among the dead. They don't want anything to do with him. They chain him from time to time, but they cannot hold him. And he breaks out of the chains. And this man's rushing the beach. Imagine if you were the disciples. Hair on your head is like, poof. Arms are bristling. Like, what do we What do we do now? Well, you do what you always do. Keep your eyes on Jesus. <laughs> Did you come to persecute us before the time? What's your name? Legion, for we are many. Don't cast us out. Let us go in the pigs. That kind of thing, right? Off they go. and The pigs run down, drown themselves in the lake. And, and it says, here's this man seated at the feet of Jesus, dressed and in his right mind. Paul writing to Timothy, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. When Jesus and the kingdom of God appear, people get sound again. And he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. The community is stirred up by this whole event. They can't take it. It's too much for them. And they come out and say, Jesus, leave us. Go away. So Jesus climbs back in the boat with his disciples, and they're getting ready to push off. And there's the man. I want to go with you. Who have I got here? I've been living in the cemetery. Nobody likes me. I have no friends. I have no job. I have nothing here. Let me go with you. And what does Jesus say to him? No, you need to stay here and go back. Not with your opinions, but with the reality of what's happened in your life and tell your friends what's gone on. Go tell them how much God has done for you. And here is a babe in Christ who really doesn't know much except that I know I've been delivered. I know I'm in my right mind. And I know the man Jesus. And he goes back with all he has is an experience. But under the direct charge of Jesus, he goes back to a place called Decapolis. What does Decapolis mean? Ten cities. It's like Minneapolis. Doesn't mean small city, by the way. It means city of water. Decapolis, ten cities, and this one man who's a baby in Jesus is so much a piece of the kingdom of God that he evangelizes ten cities with his testimony. But you know what? That man still had to grow up. He couldn't just all the rest of his life say, I had this great experience, and my experience validates everything God has said now. And so let me give you my opinion. Sometimes we do that as Christians. We have an experience, and we take our experience and say, that is God. But it's shallow at times. It doesn't bear up forever. You know, the joy wears off, the moment wears off, and then what do you have? You need a stronger foundation than experience. I told you about my experience being filled with the Holy Spirit. I love that experience. I remember when I got saved. It was miraculous to me in the middle of March, freezing cold, no shirt, no shoes, hair down the middle of my back. And it was though my whole body was filled with warmth and I felt like I could float. And the guys who led me to Jesus said, that's because the weight of sin is lifted off of you today. And I felt like I could just drift into heaven. Would I trade that experience? No. I love my experience, but not everybody has that experience. 
when I was baptized in water in Pachuca, Mexico, in a platform of an evangelical free church, they had gone to the river with buckets and brought that water and poured it into that little baptistry. And there was moss growing on it. And it was ugly. And they opened the, they opened the floor and I thought, wow, they're taking this down to the river stuff serious, you know. And I climbed, I climbed in there and I thought, man, I am, I am, this is the day I die. This is it. I'm going to die in this puddle. You know, and it's going to be awesome because the old me is going to be in the water. And when I come up, the new me who walks in the newness of life of Jesus is going to appear. And I looked at the water and then they baptized me. And I looked back and I thought, it looks dirtier still. The old Jeff is dead. And the new Jeff is here. Do I appreciate that experience? Yes. Does it? Does my experience say that's the Word of God and only the only way things can happen? Everybody needs to get baptized in Pachuca, Mexico? In dirty river water? It's the only way it really works? No. My experience is valid because I find it in here. You know, it's like the Jordan. It's, it's, could it be done in a horse tank? Could it be done in a bathtub? Could it be done in the lake? It could be done anywhere there's water. The Ethiopian eunuch said to Philip, Hey, you know, the ride along in the chariot, and he's breaking the word of life to him. He says, hey, he stops the chariot. There's water. What hinders me from getting baptized? Philip says, nothing. You just have to believe. He says, I believe. Down the water they go. The Ethiopian comes up new. Philip comes up missing. <laughs> he's at Azotus. It's like 12 miles away. I, don't, I can't explain that, but that's what the Bible says. What a ride for Philip, huh? Man. Should you obey God? You ride a long ways out of the city in the chariot and he gives you a free ride home. Amazing. But the Ethiopian eunuch comes up brand new. Does that mean I have to go over there? You know, Christians love to go to the the Holy Land and get baptized over there, rebaptized in the Jordan. Ah, Okay. But that doesn't make it better. But my experience and my opinions... Don't validate who God is. He validates what He's bringing me through from His Word. And experience is important, but it's not all there is. You have to study to show yourself a workman approved who does not need to be ashamed. As we know, Peter wrote, we need to be able to give an answer to every man for a reason of the hope that's in us. Jesus said to the religious leaders, and this is where, you know, you may think that this doesn't occur today, but I want to assure you it does. I can be just as much a Pharisee as anybody. So can you. <laughs> I might leave myself on the only one. But, you know, the religious leaders of Jesus' day were talking to the Son of God, and they missed it. I just think, I, at first I go, them idiots. And then I go, wait a minute, I am one. I could be an idiot. I could be a Pharisee in the negative sense. He could stand right here and talk to me. I could miss it. I could say, no, that's not my opinion about who you are. I'm going to go tell people my opinion about who Jesus is. And all times Jesus is saying, man, those guys just don't get it. He said to them, you search the scriptures all the time. You study the words of God. And you're, you can't see me. He said, the scriptures are those which testify of me. And you're not getting it. I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be a religious zealot that knows the you know, jots and tittles of the Bible, but can't really understand who the person of God is. 
Help us, Lord, to hear what you say. John 6, 63, Jesus said, The words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. These words, when anointed by the Holy Spirit, when you're studying, when you're pursuing an understanding of His Word, and He guides you and leads you into all truth, becomes life to you. The proverb says it's health to your whole body. This is life. And, and we need to get back to it. We need to get back to school. We could quit hearing all the opinions. Uh, you know, even be like the Bereans who heard Paul and then they went home and studied the scriptures to see if what he said was true. Or was he just pumping experience? Or was he just trying to deviate from truth? And they found out it was solid. And so even, you know, attack what I say. Attack what you hear in the pulpit here. Um, or in the music stand, as the case may be. Little Jeffrey, my uh, grandson, is off the bottle. It's cool. You know what? He wakes up from his naps. You don't have to change his diapers because he's dry. Hey, moms, I know how it works. Come on. And then he sits in his little high chair and grabs things and shoves them in his face, sticks them on his cheeks. So cute. He got these little stars over here. And then he figures out where it's at. Got one on his shirt. He finds it and gets it and gets it. And I go, this is so fun to watch. You know, watch out for the yogurt and the applesauce, though. It's kind of a picture thing, finger painting, and the tray and everything. And I go, am I going? Why? Oh, he's so messy. I don't think I'll feed him for a year until he gets better at it. No, no, no. We rejoice that there's a mess and we clean it up, and we're happy if he gets like sixty percent in. Right? Because he's growing up. And and you and I need to grow up. We could smear in the Word of God all over everywhere and being messy with it and get real accurate and grow from being like the demoniac who just has an experience, can go and tell of his experience, to those who can rightly divide the Word of Truth and help others come to know Christ. And then know it so well that Jesus slips us on like a glove and begins to live his life out through us to the good of others, to learn how to serve as Jesus did. Hey, I want to thank you in closing today that, uh, newsflash. Well, that leaves me in a quandary. What is a quandary anyway? I know I'm in one. It's not a laundry, huh? That's where the rocks are in the quandary. I work with this guy. Then I guess what I need to do is apologize, and 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 to your family, because we were supposed to present you with baptism certificates today. And we don't know where they are. Because Pastor Mike has them. And Pastor Mike is off in Los Angeles celebrating with his wife her birthday yesterday. Somebody gave them box seat tickets to the Dodgers. He said, can I have the weekend off? I said, no, but I need those tickets. <laughs> and so Ed has just gone up to try and find those. And I am very sorry. I, I, what can I say? I look like an idiot. I'm sorry, but 
you, we could at least celebrate the fact that you two were. Would you go ahead and stand? Can we do that? I mean, these these gals were baptized in Lucy's cell. And hallelujah. And hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Huh? Saved and baptized. Hallelujah. <laughs> if you want to say anything more, please feel free. It was nerve related. Mm. And now your nerves are saved. <laughs> and, and, and peace is coming. Amen. And healing is flowing. I'm sorry. And so you've turned them over to Jesus. Yes. Amen. Surrendered your life to Him. Hallelujah. Well, certificate or no, congratulations. And we will definitely find those. Pastor Mike, and he'll get them to you. But again, it's not the paper that made the difference. Amen. It's the baptism and the salvation. And this happened in, in Lucy's cell, is that right? Hallelujah. And Jim and Maria, thank you. God bless you guys. Hallelujah. Thank you. Um, thank you, Ed, for putting me in the quandary. Take my rocks out later. <laughs> and, and we should do that. Thank you. That's why we're here. We're to celebrate what Jesus is doing. Three, three new uh, young people saved over here. And these gals saved, baptized. And, hey, the kingdom is, advanced, is advancing. I especially appreciate the testimony that here I had this and didn't know, thought it was something else. Give my life to Jesus, get baptized, and now the healing's flowing. That's how the kingdom of God is. When Jesus shows up, things change for the better. For the better. Not without trouble, but for the better. Well, Pastor Mike's going to preach the next two weeks because I am going back to school this week. My uh, thanks to many of you. I really sincerely mean this. Thank you so much for your generosity and your kindness and celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary. And a lot of you were at the party and, and uh, we had a great time there. And But you also gave us lots of gifts to go off and celebrate. And so we're going off tomorrow to right. for a couple of weeks. And uh, I'll just share the same story. I, did. I was convicted last night and blessed. I was standing over here during worship and I w- had pondered all these, you know, I don't know if any of the other guys do this, but, you know, I'm throwing all these books in my bag. I'm thinking, I'm going to read this book. I'm going to get this one. I've always wanted to finish this one. And i got time now. I'm going to go on vacation. And, and, you know, pretty soon I think so heavy you can't carry it. There's so much in it. Oh, and I probably ought to take It's work-related, but I probably ought to take it with me in case I need to do that. And, and, this, and, then, and I thought, wait a minute. Wait. Stop. There's two people in my life that are at the top of the love chain. Jesus is a lover of my soul, and Peggy. And I thought, I have two weeks to spend with the two people that I love most and that often get the least amount of my time. I don't know if that works in your situation, but we often neglect those closest to us because we're off doing important things. 
And in ministry, it's no different. You're off helping, serving, loving, and doing, trying to be like Christ. And you're telling your wife, wait, I'll be home, I'll be home. And she gets the leftovers. And then you're running out the door early because there's an, an important need, and we always have them. And so I'll get back to my Bible, my devotions, and all that a little bit later, Jesus. And I can tend to put them off. And I thought, I'm just going to take my Bible. Not a study Bible. I'm not going to try and conquer the world. I'm just going to take the reading, good reading Bible, and love with, get in love with Jesus again, and, and then get in love with my wife again. I've never been out of love with my wife, but you know, I could heat it up. <laughs> I'm sure she'd appreciate that, don't you think? And she's in favor of this. And then I told her this when I got home last night. I said, I'm just going to put in the Bible and you. And uh, she said, well, I'm taking a few things with me. <laughs> And I kind of thought maybe there would be those times when you'd want to, so uh, maybe you ought to pack at least one or two of those. Well, I know what she means. Is she wants me to be able to do those things and be restored, refreshed. And, uh, but really, it's a lot about you blessing us and helping us with that. Thank you. We're going to do it. And uh, I hope to come back more in love with Jesus and more in love with Peggy. And uh, you pray for us because if that gets upside down, I might not come back. So Pastor Mike is going to preach the next two weeks, and because of our concern about this back to school and having a solid foundation, you know, we've turned him loose the last couple of times. He, his message title the last two ministry times was God and Jesus, right? So he said, no problem, time to preach on the Holy Spirit. And then he's going to, that's next week, and the week after that he's going to preach on the Trinity. So he's very intense that way, you know? And, but his concern is that we have a solid, solid foundation in the Word of God. He wants everybody that's in our congregation to really have something to stand on, not just opinions or controversy. And then won't be long, and the uh, Truth Project will be on us in this September, and, and uh, we're going to build even further, stronger spiritual worldview for you. It's our intent to make you strong believers in Jesus. So thanks for letting us work on you. Thanks for working with us. Cell leaders, thank you so much for your Dedication to making opportunities for people to gather and apply the Word of God. Keep it up. And uh, I'll see you in a couple weeks. Okay? Let me pray. Father, hallelujah. Lord, we pray that you would help us to get back to school. Help. I'm asking you to help me get back to school, of course, uh, and to fall in love with you in, in a new way. And Lord, thank you for the altar call this morning and hearing us and responding to us. Lead us into truth, Holy Spirit. Guide us, teach us, train us so that we are strong and so that we are able to give an answer to every man that asks us a reason of the hope that lies within us. Lord, I pray that it would be so real in us that they would actually ask why we have this hope so that we can give the response properly. Lord, take our experiences and lead us to the Word of God and show us validation in Your Word Help us to live out from your word then, life in Jesus, not just trying to float on our experiences. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.